Hey, this is Jess, and thanks for joining us for our deep dive review on Alchemy of Souls. My guests and I actually had a lot to say, and we ended up recording a three-hour long episode. Instead of cutting it down, we decided to release it in two parts. This second and final part is the usual spoiler section of every Debak review, so prepare to be spoiled if you haven't finished watching Alchemy of Souls. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the episode. All right, we're on the other side of spoilers, guys. Everything is on the table, so if you have not watched Alchemy of Souls and you don't want to be spoiled, then pause this and come back to it after you've watched Alchemy of Souls. If you've gone through this 30-episode journey with us, then stick around. We're going to have some fun. So I guess we should talk about the character that we see first, and that's Naksu slash Buyon slash Toyong. So many names. Uh, yeah, so there was a lot of names. They threw a lot of stuff at us. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, I think that some people online were saying that Naksu didn't need to be kick-ass. That's not her arc anymore because considering how she started the show in episode one, she was this like female assassin, very mysterious, <laughs> very hard and then by the end of season two she was not um right they were saying that's not her arc anymore the story was always about Changuk. and i disagree 100 percent with that there is literally no story without naksu or whatever you want to call her right there is no Changuk without her Right. So yeah. I feel like they dangled this bait in front of us in episode one, this incredible, tragic, powerful female assassin, probably a heroine if we give her enough cha- enough of a chance to, you know, simmer in this plot and get going. And I don't think yeah. it's too much to ask that she swing a freaking sword at least once in season two. So, you know, I think a lot of people were either okay with her being so... How do I put it? She just didn't fight physically. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they were okay with it. I don't think I am okay with it. Uh, did you guys have any feelings about that? <laughs> yes. I had a lot you of did. feelings about Okay. Yeah, Go for it, I, I did not. Yeah, I didn't enjoy the direction that they took her character in part two. Um I just thought it was a missed opportunity Mm. with her as well as like the other female characters in the show. I feel like it was a really missed opportunity to show like strong females like in power and in leadership, Mm. you know, and like in part two, like, yes, it's not like in part one in which she had no power, at least in part two, she has power, but she completely lacked depth. Like to me, like she Mm. had no depth to her. Um, She was just kind of ditzy and kind of like Mm. kind of leaning on her looks. And I just didn't really enjoy that i was like what happened to you i was just right. really confused at how she ended up that way mm-hmm. um so yeah it was a lack of depth for me that you know caused me to kind of be disappointed in her character a little bit in part yeah. two yeah compared to yeah. her in part one where she's um pretty formidable like even though she doesn't mm-hmm. have her powers uh ori did you have anything to add to that 
Yeah, I'm coming from a different side, um, a different angle on this one. Um, okay. That first scene is definitely one of my favorite scenes when mm-hmm. she comes on the scene and her and Park Jin going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a good scene. Yes. Um, I think for me, my understanding, and I know you guys probably felt the same way, but I guess I just thought that this is what Naksu would be like if you know, Jen mood and come into her life and everything that happened in her with her dad and stuff like this is the girl she would have been she would have been Doc Sal. she would have been like, this personality. And mm-hmm. this is before she got her memories back. So memoryless person, I, I was like, okay, I feel like this is how she would be in real life. But I guess I agree with you guys that after when she got her memories back, I don't understand why there wasn't any type of action on her part as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do think that was lacking on, Mm -hmm. well, it was kind of rushed at the end, but whatever episode nine to 10, whatever she got (laughs) in respect, I don't know. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think the difference between season one and season two, Noxu is pretty astounding. It's like the difference between, I don't know if you've seen like 10 things I hate about you, but it's like the difference between Kat Stratford and her younger sister. Right. Like these two wildly different characters, wildly different personalities. And I wish that the season two version of her, the one devoid of any traumatic past, this innocent Naksu, I wish that she wasn't this doe eyed Bambi damsel in distress. Okay. Like that's bottom line. That's what I feel. No matter if she's like naturally without any trauma, without any Jinmu interference, whether she's nice and vain and um yeah Yeah. just kind of more precious or whatever you feel about that character i just feel like it was too much of a difference and one that was Mm -hmm. not very satisfactory Mm -hmm. um bouillon and naksu slash naksu in season two i found that the writers the hong sisters kind of made her out to be more of a manic pixie dream girl for Jungkook. Um, are you guys familiar mm. with Manic Pixie Dream Girl? Nas is like, yes. <laughs> Isn't that like, it's I kind of know. like, um, kind of like the prototype, kind of like Jess from New Girl kind of vibe? Oh, no. See, actually, um, I read all about Manic Pixie Dream Girl to kind of prep for this because I was like, I don't want to get it wrong. Manic Pixie Dream Girls, this is like the, the Wikipedia definition exists solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men, which, what is Jangook in season two, if not broodingly soulful young man, to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures, Mm -hmm. to get him out of his Mm -hmm. funk, basically. And that's exactly what her role is in season two, is to just get him, that's all she's doing is jumpstarting his life back in a better direction one that maybe leads more into his destiny whatever uh some examples of manic pixie dream girls are holly golightly in breakfast at tiffany's um kirsten dunst character in elizabethtown natalie portman's character in the movie garden state these are all manic pixie dream girls and there is a difference between just quirky people, quirky girls, and the function of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, which I'm getting at the function of her character, which is very much a a Manic Pixie Dream Girl in season two, 
versus season one, which is not at all a manic pixie dream girl. Not at all. So it's an effective description for a one-dimensional female character who seeks only the happiness of the male protagonist. And Mm. that's what she's doing in season two. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. (laughs) So I have a fundamental, yeah, I have a fundamental issue with them doing that to her. Especially when we saw what she was in part one, Mm -hmm. right? Right. We know the difference. Um, Something else that I disliked about season two was the mistaken identity trope of Booyan. Everybody had face blindness. Yeah. Thinking, well, I'm also just zeroing in on Booyan thinking the crown prince is a eunuch for the majority of the show. Went on for so long. It felt so hammy. Too long, yeah. Uh, I and then they did like they did a one eighty and decided to do here. It was a one eighty compared to season one. In part one, they had Ma- uh, Mudok like running circles around the crown prince. You know, she was subversive and manipulative, and intuitive to what he needed to hear or how he needed to feel. Mm-hmm. Since he has this insane self-importance and superiority complex, as well as an inferiority complex to Changuk. And in yeah. season two, she's like devoid of any sense. She has no common sense. She's easily deceived by this weak mm-hmm. trope. So mm-hmm. it just leaves a sour taste in my mouth. These Again, this sort of thing is compounded, right? If it was just one of these things, I wouldn't dislike the show so much. But yeah. As we continue to talk, you'll see like why I'm so upset, not just with the plot machinations, but these decisions about character arcs that really irked me. Um, and then these are some Wait, just... Jess. Yeah. What's up? Before we move on, I think I just want clarity, you know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm over here by myself on my island. But I just want clarity <laughs> from you guys as far as Naksu goes. Y'all just wanted more depth from her character in part two. Like y'all felt like she was one noted compared to part one. She had different sides to her and more complex. That's mm-hmm. what y'all are saying. Yeah, for sure. Actually, let, let's jump to the ending, I guess, okay. of her character. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, how do I put this? So... She turns out to not be like the soul that she has is Naksu's soul. But <laughs> I'm still confused actually. But Who knows sure. what that was? <laughs> uh her body composition and the sleeping soul that's within her was nice. Buyon. Buyon turned out to not be an individual person right it was soul run a legendary historical uh, priestess of the Jin family who uh helped quell the great chaos to 200 200 years ago i think it was um yep do i have that right yeah yeah i I was thinking because bouillon died during like in birth childbirth like stillborn like she never yes the alchemy she was, of souls right. didn't bring her back to life at yes, all yes yes um mm-hmm. so in episode nine master lee is talking to lady Jin, and she he suggests that in using the ice stone to give life to her 
obviously dead baby. She was she carried Buyon for like 13 months. Um, he says, if Jin So Ran's soul remained in the ice stone, I thought maybe the baby you had saved could have been Jin So Ran herself. Okay. So not only do they negate an entire character, they just yeeted an entire character out of the storyline. Right. Uh, they also retconned what an ice stone, what the ice stone can do, because exactly. now it was housing an entire soul for two hundred years, and no one knew that Jin So Ran didn't just die and her soul go into the afterlife or whatever the hell. Uh, it was just waiting and biding its time until it could come back, and yeah, it was a lot. So it was a lot. Uh, needless to say, it's bad writing, and yeah. <laughs> it's uh, a Deus ex machina. Have you guys heard of this term? No. Okay. No. Deus ex machina is the resolution of a plot by what is basically a force from God. It's usually refers to a clumsy, contrived, or illogical intervention that alleviates the tension through something other than direct character action so an example of a deus ex machina is like in war of the worlds have you seen that movie or read, read yeah. that yeah I know in war of the worlds context. the aliens don't get uh killed off or whatever by direct human intervention you think the characters yeah. or humanity is going to do something humanity doesn't end up doing anything it's bacteria that ends up getting rid. you know it's like oh at a left field you know what i'm saying right nothing that we actually were expecting or would have been kind of proper considering the plot. That's a deus ex machina. And yeah. Jin Buyon being Solron was a deus ex machina oh, yeah. mixed yeah. with a retcon. Like they just re- revised it. They're like, yeah. never mind that Solron was a person who lived 200 years ago and she's a heroine of yore. No, she is here and now like with us today (laughs) and yeah uh you know retcon is a giant revision if you don't know so yeah and it's usually done to facilitate a dramatic plot shift or account for an inconsistency and boy Mm -hmm. does alchemy of souls have inconsistency upon inconsistency so uh now we have this solron character in the mix The ending of the character of Naksu or Toyong or whatever, um, she's still soul shifting to this day. <laughs> uh, the final shot features a close up of like her blue eyes, the yeah. mark of a soul shifter, and I guess she's just in the same boat as Master Lee, but Master Lee is yep. out, like out of the clo- out of the soul shifter closet, so to speak. <laughs> uh, but she's not. She he's been soul shifting for decades. And this is, I guess, what I think is happening. Because the body is dead, technically, I guess there's no risk of rejection or petrification. That's the only reason I could think of for why she just doesn't petrify, or neither does Master Lee. Another person online was trying to explain it to me, and I love when people try to explain things to me. Yeah. Uh, And I mean that sarcastically. Right. Uh, You're just like, okay. Okay. So someone said that they don't petrify, soul shifters don't petrify unless they start 
draining energy from somebody else. Like just start, you know, draining energy. And I was like, well, it doesn't seem like they need to drain energy. Like, why does the soul shifter who petrifies because they start drinking other people, killing people and drinking their energy, why do they need to take their energy? That's straight. I felt like, like they, didn't they start <laughs> petrifying because essentially you're you're inside a body that isn't your own? Yeah, it's a so, rejection. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like kind of a rejection thing. So that's why they needed to to mm-hmm. get energy from people to stave right? off because, like yeah, right, stave off petrification. Right. Yeah. It was very yeah. convoluted and it's not like, not hard. well explained at all. Yeah. Um, I, to kind of piggyback off what you're saying about the Solaron thing, to be honest, that like. I, at that point, I was like, yeah, mentally, I can't, I don't understand what's going on. Like, I was like, they've officially lost me. I'm so confused. And like, Oriel had to explain it to me afterwards, because I was like, who's Solran? Like, I don't, I don't understand what this is. Um, yes. And like, it just felt like they were trying to explain why um, uh, uh, Bouillon wasn't, she's not your normal soul shifter. Like, she's different. So they had to like, find a way to explain it. And they, that's how they pulled out that whole Solron situation. But but like even at the end, you're like, OK, but like, how is she still a soul shifter? Like, how I don't understand <laughs> yeah. how she's still just roaming the earth. Even Master Lee, I'm just like, how, why are you guys the exception? I, I don't understand right. this. Right. I'm so confused. You said it all. I, why? Why? <laughs> and uh, uh, God. OK, so there's that. I'm just going to say there's that and uh, move on to the next thing. So in the epilogue, people are still calling her Bouillon. And I'm wondering why didn't she set the record straight and say who she is and what she prefers to be called? Because during their wedding ceremony, she clearly was like, well, I want to be known as Toyon, what my parents mm, yep. named me. Mm-hmm. Yep. First. Okay, fine. So Naksu the persona was never vindicated and that's a huge issue for me um Mm -hmm. only a select few characters understood what the hell happened and i think that's a misstep the show had a running theme of like us versus them when it came to the young adults characters the young cast the students and the mage leaders and the sect leaders they never did bridge that gap and the wrongdoings and the misunderstandings caused by the alchemy of souls and the evildoers of sorcery was never handled. Um, Mm. You never get a reconciliation in a way for this older generation doing things to the younger generation in the show. And you never get Naksu, that character, getting redeemed, which I feel is very Mm. important. You know, we started with Naksu. We started with this assassin. She's dealing with um, her trauma in a way that's very destructive. And she has a clear job. She's killing these mages who they thought were just mages. In fact, they were soul shifters. That's another sort of retcon that they did there in the plot. Well, she's not just killing mages left and right. She's not random mages. She's killing soul shifters. She's in a set, a, like a cleaner. She's cleaning up after this uh, cult. Yeah. So fine. Yeah. Uh, after that, Towards the end, I wanted Naksu, that persona, whether she is 
feels like she needs to stay with the Buyon persona, whatever. But the Naksu, you never get like some sort of resolution for that character. It's just kind of like, okay, we're done with Naksu. Yeah. And we don't have to return mm-hmm. to why she was doing things that Mudok didn't just start offing people in the finale of part one just because she went wild it was all due to the machinations of Jinmu and that whole badly written ending um you know it never the the truth never comes out right and that bothered me um did you guys feel any sort of way about that you want it like everybody to know what was going on because I thought it was resolution with her and at least Ook. like they both knew what was going on Jungkook and, I guess and her were the like... only people basically yeah who, uh, well and uh Soyul yeah knew everything and even yeah. and actually Soyul kept stuff from Jungkook mm-hmm. which we'll get into That's as well true. like even until That's the last true. episode if the truth is not 100% out there and I feel like that's weird. It's a weird choice. Yeah. 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 I agree. I yeah. didn't think about that when um, before you said it. But yeah, Naksu doesn't, in my opinion, she doesn't get like a true, I don't know. I guess the word is like, there isn't like public acknowledgement or like justice for like what happened to her. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. like, you know, okay, well, Naksu's gone now. Yeah. And then, but then at the end, she's not. Yeah, so she's then not. you're like, well, okay, she's still yeah. here actually. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, you never get that full acknowledgement of like, OK, like she was ra- raised by a monster and she was being controlled by bells and, you know, all these things happened, you know, right. but it was just kind of like, OK, it's like Naxu was the character Naxu was just kind of used. And then, we, OK, we're using your body. I was like, OK, bye, Naxu. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It was kind of like it felt, it felt like the to me. Yes, it felt incomplete. And it felt like the Hong sisters were also just using that character mm-hmm. and disposing her when they were done with her, which is like, OK, but that's also what the villains in the story are doing. So you're being very yeah. villainous, Hong sisters, <laughs> to this character. Um, let's talk about Naxu's sword. So. In some early episodes of season two, the sword reacted to her presence. And there, I saw yeah. endless edits of that on TikTok. <laughs> um, but there was never a reunion with it or even like an official, yeah. I don't need this sword anymore. It's not my sword anymore. It's yep. changed allegiances or whatever. Like kind of like this language that's in Harry Potter where Ollivander says the same thing about like Malfoy's wand. Where he's like, well, I've sensed it's changed allegiances and now that's Harry's <laughs> wand. Fine. <laughs> whatever. I wanted something to that effect. Yeah, not that exact yeah. thing. But... You know, I yeah. wanted her to kind of, the sword means so much, right? Yes. It felt like it had, never got that sword back, yeah. never got a that moment a with opportunity. it. Missed opportunity. You could have wrapped up a lot, actually, with her kind of like, even just her sitting with the sword and thinking out loud and saying like, I've, you know, it has so much history. I've used it to do so many things. And it's just not my, I can't pick it up anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that would have she did she touched it one time and I think it started the memory train Mm -hmm. but then after that she didn't touch it again right there was no closure that's what I am looking for I'm looking for closure and 
yes, Natsu became an assassin due to Jinmu's manipulation because mm-hmm. of all of her unhappy memories. And I understand that she could, at the end of the show, she easily gives it up. I understand that, especially considering she's still masquerading as Jin Buyeon. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't negate the fact that we got shortchanged. She's now a glorified tracking hunter of Jinyeon relics. Tell me how is that different than how <laughs> Jinmu was using her. That's true. Uh, so I guess it's on her own terms. I mean, it just doesn't like, you know, I, I wanted some closure, especially with the sword, which is symbolic of her past. It's symbolic of her uh, physicality, the mm-hmm. strength that she felt at the beginning of the show. When she was doing that voiceover work in the beginning, she was proud mm-hmm. Of yeah. being so powerful, of being mm-hmm. this assassin and having these skills, right? Yeah. Where does that go? Like, why is she, you know, I'm looking for closure and arc and it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought like going into part two, like I, for, for me, I was just like, oh, like, yeah, we're definitely going to get the moment that she wields her sword again. Like, yeah. Even if it's just her holding it or unsheathing it or whatever. So when that didn't happen, I was just like, huh. Why? why? Like, I'm, yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely thought about that as well, because um, that could have been a really big moment. Mm-hmm. And that's something I was like waiting for. So, yeah, I totally agree. Maybe she thought she didn't need it no more because y'all know, like in the beginning, she was one track mind on revenge. Like all of these mm-hmm. people were responsible. She was brainwashed. Mm-hmm. All these people were responsible for her dead and family and everyone dying. Yeah. So maybe at the end, she was just like, all my enemies are dead. Why do I still need the sword? Why do I still yeah. need to? Right, right. But we don't get, but we don't get that struggle at all in season two or even season one. And I said that in the Patreon episodes where I was like, if the Hong sisters wanted to do a character study, they had the time Mm -hmm. to do it, and they didn't. It was very messy. Um, So yeah, you can say it's clean from far back. Like, oh yeah, she seems to accept her new life. She needs. She's you know doesn't care about training yeah. anymore or whatever the hell but uh no matter no matter about that it, it just didn't work for me it didn't yeah. work for me at all um i wanted to note this other people were offended about the final scene where jungkook like stands in front of her in their final scene to like face off against yep. whatever relic was about to like get them and I I guess I took offense that like, oh yeah, man is coming in and like protecting her or whatever. <laughs> but I don't what? I, yeah, <laughs> I, it's kind of strange. So they took offense that he was like getting in front of her and like I don't know. I guess they found it more machismo than chivalrous. And mm. I didn't get that at all. I didn't get that criticism at all. Um Yes, she's There's a fully grown wrong woman. With your man protecting you. Come on, right. Guys. That's what like, I'm saying. Like, <laughs> that's exactly like, what I feel. We're like grasping at straws at this point. Like, let's just stop. <laughs> I love feminism. I am a feminist, but if a man wants to take a beating for me, I'm not gonna. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, <laughs> like, protect me. Yeah. Protect me. Yeah. Yes. He's just protecting his lady. Yes. 
Period. So we're supposed to just okay. push her and be like, "You do it." Like, yeah, like you do God. it. Like, they would have been I mad know. if she was up front. They would have been like, "Why heck? would you let her do that?" Right. And then right after, he was just like, "Okay, like, yeah, girl, you got it." Like, you know, but but that's just like, so he's like, his first instinct is to protect his wife. Like, what? It's I just get. I was like, I. I didn't get that criticism. And I get a lot of criticism, but that one, I was like, that's a bit far-fetched. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to add about Noxu slash Bouillon as a character at all? Um, I I did want to say... Oh, sorry, Jess, what were you saying? Oh, no, go ahead, Gori. Go ahead. I did want to say, I feel like... The tr- we talked about this a little bit. The transfer of the actresses playing the role. Oh, let's talk about that. This is a great yeah. Yes. thing. Yes. Um, so the fandom, people were very <laughs> upset when Jung So Min was not, uh, they were having announcements that she wasn't going to be a part of part two. People were throwing stones. They were upset. Mm. Um, something happened when they started promoting part two. Everybody was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as episode one of part two aired, they fell in love with, um, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting her name right now. Go Young. Am I pronouncing Yes, Go Young Jung, I think. Go Young Jung. They fell in mm-hmm. love with her. Jung So Min was in the back seat. Nobody was talking about her anymore. <laughs> but I, I was just so confused by that. But I do yeah. want to say that um, she did a good job portraying, for me, the transfer wasn't as like crazy as I thought it was going to be. I, I mm-hmm. think that she picked up a lot of Jung So Men's traits for when, at least in part one, when Mudok had those softer moments. Um, I think she did a good job with that. Like it was believable that it could be on a minute note the same person, <laughs> even though they were drastically different. Yeah. Yes. Naz, did you have anything to add before I give my two cents? <laughs> Um, yeah, not just to echo what Oriel said. Yeah, it was very interesting just to see how quickly people change their tune. And I was like, this <laughs> can be so funny and just wishy-washy because like, it was like, oh yeah. my gosh, like how dare you get rid of Jung Min? And oh then and all of a sudden God. it was just like, oh, like who's who's that? Like they just completely forgot about her. Yeah. And they were like, okay, yeah, like Goyeon Jung for the win. Like, you know, and it was just really interesting to see how quickly people turn. I'm like, yeah, you guys like wait to watch the show before you like give your opinion, you know, because it was right when the news was yes. announced that, you know, mm-hmm. there was going to be an actress change. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I think for the character, I just going back to like what we we're talking about, with, like the sword and everything. I think it's like not necessarily like she needed to like fight or whatever, but like I think just some sort of acknowledgement of her past. It was just kind of like. You know, season part one, she's in one person. Part two, she's a completely different person. And I just felt like it didn't converge enough for me. So mm-hmm. I felt like it kind of left like, you know, yeah, like the lack of closure with the character. It was just like, it was just kind of like, I was looking, I was watching two completely different people and like mm-hmm. two completely different shows almost. Because yes. like, the characters were just so different. Um, and it kind of threw me off a little bit. But I, I will agree. Like, I think the actress, of course, like did an amazing job. But it was just very jarring, like the change. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no kind of like middle ground and like seeing her kind of reconcile those, the two, the two parts of the character. So absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. For me, I liked Jung So Min a lot in part one. She's adorable and she's also quite intimidating when she wants to be. And I think that's tough mm-hmm. to do for any actress. Yeah, um, right. My 
patrons know from my journey, because I do like first up, like first impressions and mid say episodes and final say episodes when I finish a drama. So they know the journey. I said in my final say of part one that Jung Soo-min, at the end of the day, I felt like she did a, a very easy to copy performance. In a way, she made it quite easy for someone to step in and do the same thing because a lot of the time as Mudok, she was mean or a stoic, didn't want to show her emotions, didn't ever wear her emotions on her sleeve. She softened mm-hmm. towards the end of part one before all hell broke loose. And yep. I also, bold claim, didn't think that she had that much chemistry with Jungkook. Uh, you agree Naz okay yes Ori does not agree I don't agree (laughs) yeah that bridge Uh, scene oh my goodness it's all the chemistry for me I'm on the other side it's fine it's fine the bridge scene is uh, a lot of people harken back to the bridge scene they love the bridge scene I think it's perfectly fine I'm not uh swooning over the bridge scene um, the bridge scene was very cute. I like the bridge scene. It's cute. Yeah, it's fine. But, like, the couple in itself, like, it just wasn't doing it for me. Thank you, Naz. I agree. And uh, <laughs> uh, to be fair, season one has far less manipulative uh, scenes of romance, I, I guess I yeah. should say. Tried and true scenes that are tropey, are cliche-filled that people will gravitate towards in every K-drama. And so it was a lot difficult, more it was a more difficult job to establish chemistry and not just that, a relationship that they would die for. That's mm-hmm. what I'm looking for mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. do I buy in to this couple who would die for each other? Mm. And my answer to at the end of part 1 was I didn't really buy in. Uh, part two, when they switched the actress, again, just like Ori said, there was a change in the wind. Uh, it's, it was wild. <laughs> I've never seen that before, how they changed their tune so fast. I was a person who was like, well, I really liked Jung Min. She was fine. Yeah. I had some qualms with it, but I'm willing to give this new girl a chance, especially because... Her small parts in part one, especially in episode yes. one, were leaping off the page, captivating. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to yeah. see more. What what else can she do? Yeah. So season one, uh, season two rolls around, and I thought she was really cute, really fun. Uh, like I said, completely different characterization, completely different approach to season two. It seemed like they didn't care a lot about... A cohesive tone mm-hmm. uh, which is whatever they did a whole new season so I guess it can kind of start from scratch they're not filming at the same time the characters have whole new looks it was not a gradual change it was a immediate change we're here four years later and uh, we're gonna pick up where we left off except we have this new character I thought she was really good with Ijeok I thought their chemistry was sizzling. I thought they had great scenes together. But was it written for that? The season had that goal in mind. 
to sell this couple. I think the Hong mm. sisters paid way more attention to writing in traditional K-drama scenes for them to get smashed up together, for them to have skinship and kissing, for them to yeah. have a little more angst. Like I said, their history, as in their filmography, they seem to do well with that. And yeah. they did what they're good at. So it worked for season two. In my in my mind, it worked. The yeah. chemistry was there. The uh, <clears throat> the relationship was good. And we can talk about that more, about them two together as a couple in season two. But ultimately, I liked Ko Yoon Jung as... Uh, Booyon or whatever, whatever. I don't care what her name is anymore. Right. I just don't care. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I will say that in season two, I think in episode eight, Naksu sees a vision of Booyon in front of the big tree, which is when she realizes oh. my days are numbered. I, yeah. I've just been, been a vessel of energy for Booyon to regenerate or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And... Buyon is basically like she, the little girl. It's a little girl, blindfolded little girl. And she's basically like, oh, darn it. You woke up before I regenerated. So now this is going to really suck for you. Um, why is Buyon a little girl? I didn't understand that. I didn't understand part. that either. And even Cho, yeah. Cho Ron was a grown woman too. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense. I, that made it no took sense. Me back to um, a scene in part one. Remember when Jungkook almost was like his yeah. soul was almost ejected from his body in part yes, one? Yes, that was episode so seven. Was, yes, I, why like do in, I remember in, the episode? I don't know, but episode seven, part <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, and he was like in the orb or whatever, yeah, and everything's spinning. And like, um, well, now that we know who it is, it's 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 Buyon, um, but like in her original state, like she's blind and everything, but she was like Jung So Min, like it's Jung So Min blindfolded. Right. Tell me so why I'm, in part two it's not right. Jung So Min blindfolded. Right. So then I was like, well, then like, why is it a little girl? Why isn't it? Why isn't it Jung So Min blindfolded? Because she's she is Buyon Mudok, like they're the same person. So I was like, why isn't it? Why didn't they just have her character come back as you know Buyon? Because she's the true Buyon. Yeah. But I was like, why is it a little girl? I was if so there confused. Was, it's frustrating. Also, why is there a blindfold? Because we just established that Bouillon never made it. Like, <laughs> she was never blind. Do you know what I mean? Uh, was Sol Ron blind? Oh, oh, you, you're saying that Bouillon was never blind? Do we need the blindfold for for that person? Because Bouillon was never born. You know what I mean? So they made it seem like Bouillon was blind, blah, blah, blah. Even when Chol Solron came back and was like being her as a child or whatever, why was she blind? Do you do you guys get what I'm saying? Oh, why was the character just blind, period? Yeah, I didn't really, I don't oh. really understand that thinking. Like, what's the point? Solron, they never mentioned that through the letters in part one, the love letter thing that she was yeah. blind or anything See, like I've... that. So was that, so uh. what was that for? Oh my gosh, uh, that's I such a good point. For some reason, I feel like they mentioned that Solron was blind. Oh. Uh, don't ask I me where it. they did this, but okay. I was not I surprised when Solron was also blind. Oh. Okay. That, I mean, that's not familiar. Uh, yeah. Because that because like they used her whatever that iced whatever to bring yeah Bouillon back I to stopped. life. So yeah, she, I, yeah, I yeah, I think that's what happened. Yeah, that's. I'm I was like, Wait a minute. Yeah, I think that's what happened. 
Yeah, so that was an issue for me because if they were going to bring Jung Min back for any reason, it should have mm-hmm. been for that logical reason, if only to right. just have the apparition of Buyon slash Solran or whatever the hell um, be her. Right. Especially because in season one, it was her. Exactly. So I'm like, anyway. that, I thought they were going to have the same imagery, but I was like, why is it a little girl this time? It made no damn sense. Um, in episode seven of season two, they badly explained that Buyon was slept with Danguk, and she's just somehow absorbed all the colds that like pervades him and the household because yeah. of the swarming wraiths and like mm-hmm. how like why how um so far in the show she can only see energy well why can she do this other thing like without even meaning to she's absorbing <laughs> cold energy or something yeah. so uh i guess this leads into my last point about her character is that we saw no growth as far as her learning how to harness these priestess powers. And I feel like yeah. that's a, a miss. In mm-hmm. season one, she's training Jang-uk the whole time. Mm-hmm. For the majority of the show, she's hounding him. She's making him go through these trials and fights with other people and a lot of trial by fire. And she's just very adamant about his training. And in season two, she just inherits these powers and just knows how to use them, even though in the, she's obviously struggling. She's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can only see energy. Yeah. But how does she get from point A to point like C and E? And <laughs> like, I, I, it's not working for me. It's just connective tissue that's missing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And even at the time she was a little girl, she was, like, already so incredibly powerful. So it's kind of like... Yeah. I felt yeah. like I didn't see that when, you know, in part two. Because, like, I feel like, again, it was a missed opportunity. Because even as a little girl, she was, like, so, so powerful. And she could do so many things at such a young age. So... Right. Talking about Solran, though. Um, if the Firebird's Awakening was always going to happen. I'd love to know why Solron was just gatekeeping that info and only telling us in the last episode of the whole the whole show. Uh I mean <laughs> I just this to me screams that the Hong sisters had no clue how they were going to finish the show, how they were going to end it. And they just pulled out a firebird out of their asses to me. (laughs) Um, Because I would have loved to have seen, like the whole part one is them learning together at the the school, whatever it's called. I forget its name. Jojing Gak, Jojing Gok or something. And they're learning together. There's mages everywhere, students and tell me why we couldn't have inserted a few Firebird references to at least give us <laughs> some foreshadowing. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah. What would it that have cost came them? Out of nowhere. Yeah, it came, it out, came of out of nowhere. Left field. But then also like, <laughs> the Firebird ended up not even being a big deal. <laughs> that was resolved hysterically quickly. 
Like I was like, what happened to the doom and gloom destroying the entire planet? It was it was he right. was he, like the firebird was completely knocked down quite it was very easily and I was like super easily. What happened to the prophecy? Like I was like, what? Right. Right. I mean the firebird yeah. egg the egg itself was propping up all of Jinyawan and all of the relics in there in this yep. cave system that was in the Jin household. Tell me why we didn't know that until season two. <laughs> we were in Jinyawan in season yep. one. Right. Like they could have just passed by the egg. Right. In that part where they like the mirror thing where she gets stuck in mm-hmm. the mirror and they have to go save her. Mm-hmm. And you know, there could have been a warning, like, don't touch the egg or something. Don't even, right. like, if you see this egg, it's important not to f- even freaking breathe on it or whatever. It could have been just right. that. Yep. And then the egg comes back around in season two. Uh, the firebird, so to, sp- so to speak. Um, lots of ways to fix this and make <laughs> it cohesive and follow basic writing rules. But uh, anyway, uh that's it for my I think that's it for my thoughts on that character mm-hmm. of Naksu slash Buyon slash Toyong slash Solron. Yeah. <laughs> so many people for one person. <laughs> it's ugly. It's like ugly writing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it was too much. It's ugly. I was personally overwhelmed. I did not by the end of it I was like, I I give up. Like I I'm not gonna understand it. Yeah. Made peace okay. With that. <laughs> so let's talk about the chemistry and the relationship between her and Changuk, and then on the other side of this, we'll get into Changuk. So, yeah, quite quite an interesting thing for Changuk to fall in love with Naksu again, mm-hmm. even though she shared little to no traits with Mudok. Mudok right. um, was very fierce, merciless. She pushed him to be better to train harder, to rise up. And again, like I said, she softened ever so slightly towards the last couple of episodes in part one. Mudok was incredibly guarded and she was not this sort of easygoing, clueless girl who just wanted to be free. She wasn't love struck. She wasn't so open with everybody around her. She didn't wear her heart on her sleeve. And that's who he falls in love with in season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that says. If it's good writing or bad writing, or if you just want to chalk it up to fate. Um, Opposites attract. I don't know. I don't know if I liked it. Uh, the role reversal, though, that happened with Jangook instead of Naksu slash Mudok, uh, right. because Jangook was the nice one, the happy-go-lucky one in the relationship in part one, and then in part two, he's not. He's the opposite. Mm-hmm. He's the mean one in the relationship. So they did a role reversal between part one and part two because he's definitely yeah. mean to her at times in part two, similar to how Mudok treated him in season one. Um, yeah. But he softens pretty fast toward Buyon. Uh, I have a lot of scenes that I really liked between them, like in episode one, when... Like this dark Sundere Jangook finds her and she sniffs his clothes and remarks that she can smell the flowers on him. The roses must oh. have bloomed. And he leaves and uses like his little magic, he, like to sprinkle some rose petals into her cell. Oh, and like yeah, that sort of that. thing 
is K-drama crack, right? <laughs> who can defend who can defend against these scenes? Um episodes three and four, like she finds the blue egg, which that was a whole freaking thing. Their right. love tokens. And some of her memory returns. And the other, like the second female lead, if you can even call her that, Master Ho's like granddaughter granddaughter? or something. Yeah. 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 So she tells her to put some energy into the blue egg to see why no one believes that they're married. She does it. And he shows up angry because he thought Noxu came back to life. (laughs) They have a fight. She says, you know, uh, she puts the stone pile back the way it was out of spite because he's like, yeah, fix it or whatever. And, you know, he's like, do what you want and storms off. He ends up sticking around to make sure that she's okay. And he lights up this dark path for her with the fireflies yeah. so and watch, watches over her as she makes it out of the forest. It's and it's very cute. Adorable. Yes. It's adorable. I mean, is anyone going to complain about this scene? Yeah, no. 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 There's a lot of Sunni moments. Yeah. yeah. Uh, episode four, she gets invited to the Queen's banquet on Noxu's death anniversary. And she's out here drying, trying on like a bunch of dresses for the occasion. And he comes home and catches her off guard. And he stands at the door, like slightly amused, maybe impressed. And he walks up with a bright look on his face, not clouded by bitterness or grief or suspicion which is how we've seen him the first three episodes of season two he's amused very similar to his persona in in part one and he tells her she looks pretty and he tells her to sit where everyone can see her at the party gives her full permission to talk up their relationship and accepts her as his wife so sweet 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 Sweet, sweet stuff here. Mm-hmm. Episodes seven and eight, we get some spicy scenes. Uh, he, comes, <laughs> <laughs> he comes and says, like, I just pine for you. That is why I came to see you. Mm-hmm. They kiss. It's sexy as shit. Yeah, the and kiss was good. Kiss? That was, was a like, good wow. kiss. Yeah. That was my favorite week. Seven and yeah, eight. Seven, seven and, and eight. eight. <laughs> yeah. Even though, like, I didn't, like, I wasn't, like, super enthused throughout the, the show. Like, seven and eight, that was a good sequence of episodes. Because uh-huh. I feel like that's uh-huh. when the most happened. Like, yeah. there was a lot of, like, high stakes in those two episodes. Mm-hmm. Really good. Yeah. I agree. Um, Jungkook tells Buyeon about how he feels and the push and pull of being rational and being irrationally in love. Talking about the when the light... Uh, I go insane when the light turns off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the lamp. The lamp. Yes. That whole f- lamp thing. So, yes. Booyan, this part made me laugh out loud. She blows in his face. Yeah. And then she says, I turned the light off. And I was like, what? <laughs> Did she just blow in his face? She, she literally blew. She's like, I turned it off. And she was like... <laughs> um... It was like equal parts cheesy and equal parts like romantic. And I, I mean, after that, they make out in the library and it's amazing. It's spicy. Uh, (laughs) Like he lifts her up and he's doing, they're like touching each other in Mm -hmm. very spicy ways. It was long. Long. Yeah, it was a long one. 
he unties her blouse yeah. too. Uh the, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> We're going Great. We're going places. Yeah. So it's good. <laughs> um this stuff is not on my like hit list here. I love those scenes just as much as the next person. It's good. It's good sexual tension. <laughs> Why am I yeah. gonna complain about that? So yeah, I loved the chemistry in season two, but again, did you have scenes like this in part one no no (laughs) you can't even so it's almost like you can't compare so (laughs) anyway um episode nine she reveals that she's a soul shifter and by now she has her memories back or that she knows she's noxu and i don't understand she stops short of saying who she is she just says to him i'm someone else dot 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 (laughs) and he's left to ponder this new development and you can see that he's hopeful and he's worried when he looks at her and he does that line where he's like only i can come this close because of course he protects her secret no questions asked and and it's very uh what's the word masculine or something i that's kind of like what i'm dancing around because that's very k-drama you when they're like don't let anyone like come this close only i can be close mm-hmm. close to you only yeah. i can like show yeah. up at night and whatever you know that sort of thing um what did you think about the moment that jungkook realizes who Buyon really is was it a letdown for you guys at all Uh, Ooh, ooh. Yeah, I, I, I think I don't want to dive too into a nitpick, but this is an overall nitpick that I had: is the stakes were non-existent overall mm-hmm. for me in the show. Mm-hmm. Whether it's deaths, whether it's um, revelations, mm-hmm. um, whether it's firebirds, um, there the stakes weren't there for me. So even with. Um, when he found out, it was just like, I think uh, my expectations was already wow, underground. Wow. So, <gasps> yeah. I was okay. just like, oh. But I just want to go back to what I was saying. I was one of the watchers who, part two, my brain was on vacation and I was just <laughs> letting the pictures on the show <laughs> just give me right. guidance. Mm. Um, and that it made it enjoyable for me. To shut off your brain <laughs> and not think about... Like, yes. yes, I was watching it yes. the complete opposite way. And me and Ness talked about this after we were saying, because me and her watch K-dramas differently, yeah. period. Got She's you. very logical and I'm very like, I'll just go with whatever they tell me to do. So I think that's kind of <laughs> why I have my opinion about this show versus yeah. you guys, because you both are very logical thinkers um, when it comes to K-dramas. And I'm just like, whatever y'all told me. Bible. <laughs> just happy to be here <laughs> yeah yes yeah, yeah. It's like for yeah I, I yeah I, I just I'm too much of a critical thinker to just like sit and just be like okay I'll accept this like you know I I just think too hard about things um, right I break things down just wait yeah I just I break everything down um but yeah it's with the um with the realization of like yeah. him realizing that it was Naksu. I don't know, like, again, it was kind of a letdown, kind of what we were all saying, like, we, we were talking about it, like, how, like, like, yeah, the show had, like, it was, like, low stakes, but I was like, yeah, it's, like, no stakes, like, you know, like, <laughs> and I feel like they were trying to, like, 
you know, fit all these things in the end. And like, oh, okay. Oh, it's Naksu. Okay. It kind of just felt like it was so rushed. And again, they had 10 episodes. And mm-hmm. I felt like he... I felt like they could have done the reveal a little bit sooner. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it needed to be pushed out that long. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was a little let down by that moment. Because it could have... I feel like it should have been a bigger moment than it was. Yeah. I agree to a, to a certain extent. I really do. I think it should have been a bigger, more intense, more revelatory moment. Instead, mm-hmm. it was very... Uh, like a downer? It was a downer. But we yeah. wanted it to be more of a downer, if you, if you feel me. Like... I felt a little bit of angst, but not as much as I wanted because, you know, this moment has been built up in our minds and in the characters themselves for so many episodes. And I don't know, they they seem to have fumbled that as well. As well. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Buyoung calls him to their tree in Danhyang Gok after implicating him at the unanimous assembly. That was like a whole freaking mess that was convoluted as well but essentially she tells him that they can't play dumb they can't feign ignorance they gotta face this thing head on they gotta kill or each other or something or or watch he has to watch her leave Buyon's body and I'm not sure why he has to kill her because she was the one who sugge- was, was like I guess he has, like, to kill me. he has to kill me yeah. other, than other than she's performed sorcery she's sorcery. performed the alchemy of souls so I don't know. It was very weird. weird. And they end up at their shack and they do like a mini makeout sessions, juicy stuff. Um, He kisses Um, her eye, which everyone swooned over because it was as if he was kissing her soul. Very romantic. Got no qualms about that. Episode 10 rolls around the final episode finale. Master Lee comes in. And decides to take responsibility for his part in this fiasco of a story and (laughs) their present predicament that they're in. He says they should have a wedding, uh, informing not just those around them, but the skies that they cannot be torn apart. So I'm assuming the skies equal the heavens, fate, Mm -hmm. whatever. They they seem to, uh, because their power comes from the skies, it seems like they worship the skies i don't know it was kind of like i I, maybe i was reading too much into that but he talks about at their wedding ceremony which is beautiful they're in a glade a flower filled glade Mm -hmm. and nox masterly talks about noxu's different personal identities and how she was born choyong and became the assassin noxu masqueraded as mudok and lived as buyon and she chooses who she wants to be she chooses her name the, the name her parents gave her, Choyong. This is when a larger theme of part two comes into play because Master Lee says, Uk and Yong, their names. Mm-hmm. Your name means light. Mm-hmm. Uk means light. And your name means shadow. So yeah. Uk and Yong. Light and shadow. And... Of, he says, of all the married couples I've seen in my lifetime, you, t- you two are the dearest. It's oh, like, yeah, really uh, it's very sweet. And they make it on top of the tree at the end of the show, promise fulfilled, because that was a part one thing that they left open-ended. Will they will he take her to the top tree? Whatever. Let's talk about this light and shadow motif. Um, did you Did you guys like this? I think I liked this. 
This is a positive for me about season two, the motif of light and shadow throughout um, Jungkook. Like I mentioned the scene earlier where he's like watching from the shadows and he lights up the dark path for Buyeon. Jungkook is dressing in dark colors throughout season mm-hmm. two and Buyeon mm-hmm. is often in white or lighter colors. So that kind of yeah. plays into the light and shadow thing. Their emotions match the motif. Um, he's haunted and filled with grief and remorse, heaviness about the past, and she's completely wiped of it. Um, she's free right, of the past. You know, yeah. She's light. Um, and in season one, Jungkook is the more carefree character, and Mudok slash Naksu was the one that was guarded and harsh. Um, Jungkook in season one was Naksu's light. And in season two, it's the opposite. Um, yeah. It's juxtaposed. Again, season the season one characterizations and their emotional states. Light cannot exist without shadow. It's like nice poetry to have these mm-hmm. characters embody such a deep concept. Yeah. Um, how did you guys feel or interpret the light and shadow thing in the show? In season two, I should say, because part one did not go so far as to create a motif right. of that magnitude. <laughs> We don't have a theme. <laughs> um, yeah, I think part um, the light and shout thing. I I I like the concept of it, and like the way that you broke it down. To, I mean, I'll be completely honest. Um, I that was something I went over my head. So I, I wasn't like I was like light and shadow. Like you know, again, I think it's something that when you in retrospect look at the show you're like okay i see light and shadow but at the time when it was during the wedding and he was like you're light and you're shadow i was like okay that's the title of the part two and i wasn't really like thinking Don't about laugh like, at her how it like you know played a role throughout the whole thing and again i mean clearly i was struggling throughout part two so I well i was struggling throughout the whole so show but yeah like, confusion episodes. is like something i struggle with like when i watch things that are too complicated or y'all knows so like i was just like I was just trying to get like the, you know, the big picture things. But I love the way you broke that down because now that I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you know, she's the light and he's the shadow. Like, that totally makes sense. Like, I get it. But at the time, I was just like, oh, yeah. that's nice. That's <laughs> nice. But yeah, so thank you for breaking that down. <laughs> Got any thoughts, yeah. Ori? Um, no, I agree with everything you were saying. I love their use of the light and shadow. I wish there was also a theme for part one as well. Mm, I don't know, yes. was that colorful one? I don't know, the seasons. Um, but yeah, I thought even with the supporting characters and stuff like that, their emotions for the first half or whatever, eight, nine episodes were very dark. And then they started to get lighter as well. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Uh, we got some good lines here when she leaves, when Cho Young leaves Buyeon's body. This is so confusing, y'all. Like, I, know. I can't even, like, <laughs> deal with it. How so am I doing, guys? Oh, God. Okay, You're doing so, really good. You are. Okay. Thank you. Um, I'm trying really hard. I'm using all my brain cells here. Um, <laughs> he says to her, uh, Fate was not what brought us to recognize each other at first sight. We lightened up each other's lives when we needed each other the most. We embraced the mm-hmm. shadows that came with it and chose to chose to love each other. Aww. That's precious. And uh, he he does summarize their entire relationship as well before that, which is great. 
just in case you mm. forgot, he says, my birth led to your father's death, and then you killed me oh, to man. avenge him, which is not quite accurate because, again, he doesn't know about the bells or anything. Right. So he's wrong. Like, anyway... We'll just we'll just talk about that in a second, but go. we're gonna we're gonna let that go Real and talk about the wind. <laughs> let's talk about Jungkook. Let's talk about his character. Um, yes. So Jungkook needed Buyon to remove the eye stone and commit suicide or give him peace. In a way, um, it reminded me a lot of Goblin with the mm. Goblin Sword. In mm. Gong Yu's chest, only the Goblin's Bride could remove that's it. Good, but of, but yeah, of course, that's, like oh, that's good, right? It didn't remind you of maybe it was just me, but I, I think you guys it. agree. I didn't even think about that, but no, that's genius. Yeah, that's where good. both couples fall in love, and it's difficult to remove this supernatural thing from the man because it will kill him. So, yeah, uh, just a note on that. I loved, in episode six, I think it was, Jungkook, this concept appears where Jungkook doesn't care about the ramifications of justice or revenge. And I liked this rage in him that we only saw glimpses of in season two. Mm. Um, I wanted him to grapple more with his king's star destiny, what else is wrong in the kingdom of Deho? Like, does he see more injustice that he feels obligated to fix? Is he really angry with the royal family's corruption? Does he feel like he can take over because he has that celestial destiny upon his life? Like, we never get into any of that. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. a miss. Uh. This is a nitpick in episode nine. How does Jungkook know how to create such an elaborate magical spell whereby he can trap all 78 soul shifters in separate barriers and fight each one using doppelgangers? <laughs> That's yeah. an elaborate like, skill. He's like extremely powerful. I'm just like, whoa, where did this one come from? It was not a little like, I'm going to like use my sword to swipe in some water and it'll like hurt yeah. you sort of thing. That was a way more elaborate magical skill that yeah. we had never seen him employ. Yep. And I wish there was, it made me think well, maybe there was a chance here to have a flashback scene or scenes of him recovering from his resurrection and learning the boundaries of what he can do, learning new spells, yeah. Yeah. The limits of him using the ice stone because it's evident that he's just unstoppable out of the gate. Yeah. And yeah. we had some time. We had the time. Like, that's my thing, too. It's yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like there was no time to right. do these sort of things. Connective tissue, as I said before. Yes. Yeah. He's just like Neo from The Matrix. No. Like in this what? episode, he can do everything, and he we just don't do really everything. Get to see that yeah. transition, yeah. right? Right. At least we see Neo like training, and yeah, if finally when he steps into his destiny, that's when he can do all these crazy things. Anyway, right. uh, in episode ten, Jungkook uses the magical bow and arrow thing that is in the right. exact same spot on the lake as Pukjin was in episode one. Yes, yes, With yes, his yes. bow and arrow against Noxu. Anyway, 
They kill the firebird, like I said, uh, easily and conveniently. (laughs) uh, That scene in episode 10 was like a near shot for shot remake of Noxus' fight on the ice in episode one. That was really cool. That was was all right. I don't know if I have a, that it's a complaint. It's just an observation for that. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. Did you guys have any other things to add about Jungkook before I get going on female characters and then we're going to wrap up with some side characters um i definitely want to note on jaywook's acting the man is a beast his portrayal of ook was oh my gosh uh yeah he killed it um yeah the man is a beast i also wanted to um echo what you were saying about the whole matrix thing he's very (laughs) jungkook very much gave the chosen one type, you know, like the elf, uh, Paula Frides from Dune, like that type of like, you're chosen, you're going to do this, mm. you know, throughout the yes. whole thing. And that's kind of how I felt about him too, even though the character arc could have been better. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I kind of was like that too. I'm like, is this a trope too? I don't know. Mm. But yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The archetype is the chosen one hero yeah. that we've seen mm-hmm. in a lot. Like, Harry Potter is another one. I mentioned Harry yes. Potter stuff earlier. That that's a chosen one. Matrix is a chosen one. Uh yep. storyline. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. That's they true. didn't seem to know that they wanted to go f- full send on this chosen one arc or a chosen one archetype until season two, it seemed like. Which is a problem. Mm-hmm. They were kind of like dancing with it in part one mm-hmm. because they had the whole King Star thing rolling around and the right. whole mystery of his birth, the alchemy of souls and the king and stuff. It's like a very juicy bits. And then they don't give it like the Neo treatment. You know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. know. I, I think Ook didn't want that not saying that neo wanted you know the, yeah. the chosenness of it right um but i feel like he he didn't want all that i guess yes. in a sense. and maybe that's why he acted the way he did the rest i don't know here's my th- lines. I don't here's know. my i guess the thing of it is that jungkook is doesn't change like by the end of the show he's pretty much yeah. the same jungkook and yeah what's nice about the chosen one archetype is that it's not about the destination it's about the journey and there was no struggle or journey about how he wanted to go about pursuing his destiny yeah and that's what I was getting at with like well I wish we would have had him thinking about even combating the royal family for rule or Mm -hmm. You know, can he do a better job on the throne? He's got the the king star behind him. What does that yeah. mean for him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't we don't get into that. We don't get into that at all. So that's a problem. <laughs> I've lost track of how many times I'm like, I didn't like that. That was a miss. That's a problem. That writing <laughs> problem. Capital P. Yes. Um. I've lost track of that. So let's talk about another problem. Female characters in this show. Do you guys have oh, any wait. notes? I wanted to say something about oh. Jungkook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? Yes. And I just wanted to echo what Oriel said. Um, I thought EJ Wook did an incredible job. And I feel like his acting performance is what kept me 
like engaged in the show like you know i think he did a credible job and i feel like he showed so much versatility mm. between part one and part two um and even though he was a little bit darker and more brooding in part two you could still see that it was like still him deep inside of there it's just right. he's wounded and he you know he just needed a little bit of help but like he was still in there and he did a great job portraying that yeah um but i also agree with what you're saying about how like the whole um just royal aspect about like royal aspect to him and like the king star i feel like it was largely untapped like they kind of talked about it a little bit like oh yeah i was born the king star like he's the other one that was born into the king star but i, I wish we could have seen a little bit more about like that you know because i know like i think it was pretty clear that like book wasn't like super interested in like being on the throne or anything but i i wish that we could have seen like him have that conversation with himself about like yeah. okay like what does this mean for me how do I feel about, you know, mm. being like I'm being born of the King Star and my lineage and all that stuff? So I wish you mm-hmm. could have seen a little bit more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. the ladies of Deho, uh, I was just disappointed in the way every female character uh, was done, characterized. But Choyon, let's talk about our spring character here. She was never depicted fighting. She doesn't walk around with a sword like the other boys do. Her Jin family heritage is supposed to make her powerful, but we never see her uh, do that, experience that, tap into that. Even in the finale sequence, she's over here cleaning up the waterways of firebird statues. And meanwhile, all the boys are off fighting. Uh, That was very much of a letdown her mother let's talk about her mother hulk young uh she was a leader but so often misguided and intimidating in a negative way she was not a good mother not a good friend to every other mage who was of her ilk Mm -hmm. uh while every other aged mage old man magicians or whatever mages in the show all of them We're getting on just fine with their powers in their old age. Meanwhile, hers are diminishing for whatever reason. Why are Mm. only hers diminishing? I don't know. Mm. Uh, Why is she she the only elder in the unanimous assembly who has to fight to keep what is hers? Right. Mm. I don't know. It's a problem. Uh, Even the other powerful female character touted as one of the most powerful priestesses ever is taken off the playing board. Mm-hmm. It's not a separate yeah. character. It's Solron. Yeah. Again. So we don't even get to see another powerful female. She's a relic of a different time. A ghost of Christmas past, if you will. So we don't even yeah. get to see her in action. We just get one scene where she's, what is she, like in front of the basin in that uh, room. Uh, and she just like helps in that one scene with the firebird and then she just collapses and she no longer is needed. So Ron is like done. Right. That is plot device. Like that's how you create a character to be a plot device. Mm -hmm. And that was annoying as well. Maidservant Kim, let's talk about her. She's extremely motherly and lovely and just wonderful throughout the show, but she's a sitting duck. No powers of her own. She's a liability, as a matter of fact, by the end of the show. <laughs> um, who else? Sully, her character, and how they could have turned her into something more. She gets off 
<laughs> the queen is a freaking issue. Uh, yeah. I mean, every single female character on top of the Noxu persona, every persona of Noxu that we've talked about earlier, is just done so dirty. Mm. I have so much to say. <laughs> Go for Naz, jump in. Jump in. I'm cracking up. She called me to become a liability. I was like, she's a liability. She's in distress. She can't take care of herself. Um, literally crying. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought that like, okay, it's so cool that you know one of these um powerful houses like are female led, like Choyan and her mom. And I was just like, I thought it could have been such a great opportunity for like female leadership and just like power and like strong women. But like her mom was so unhinged, like yes. abusive, honestly, and um, really manipulative. And Choyan literally like at the end of part two, I remember thinking, I was like, wow, Choyan, like they didn't have anything for her to do. No. Like she wasn't doing anything. And I Nothing was like, at all. why isn't she doing anything? And I remember Even in part the, one. Um, in, yeah, I remember in part one, they introduced this concept of the four seasons and they're like, oh, like, you know, Ook is winter, she's spring, Dangu is uh, summer, and um, Yule is um, fall. But first of all, that concept was, I don't know what happened to it. They introduced it and it was just, it was they just dropped gone. It. it wasn't a thing anymore. But I'm just like, Choyan literally is never around when stuff is going on. And I'm just like, why don't, why doesn't she have anything to do? Like, it, I think it was such a missed opportunity um, on, on their part. And yeah, but I absolutely adore Maid Serene Kim and how much she love loves her. Jungkook. Like she's so loyal to him, so so loyal to him, and she's just like the sweetest thing. I, but I remember being confused as to why. I don't know how she ended up helping um, Ho Young with the whole Jin Yuan collapsing thing. I was like, how did you get here? Why are you here? You can't do anything about this. She can't Please. do anything. Why, why is she in the Why you, you is she in the cave? You don't have powers. Like, get out of there. Like, I was so confused. I was like, leave this bitch and get out. Wow. She's like, we can't get out. The cave is collapsing. You're going to have to seal me in. And I'm like, <laughs> baby. I had no relationship before that. That's the thing. Like, I don't even yes. know if they ever had scenes together. So I was like, why are you here? Like, how did you even yeah. get here? I was so confused. <laughs> yeah. Shut <Just> his face. <laughs> Just like. Uh. <laughs> and the queen absolutely drove me crazy. She was so evil. Yeah. Um, and she, every time she was on screen, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, take her away. Like, I can't. <laughs> but yeah, like, Zoe, Oriel knows this. I can't stand Soe. Like, she I literally was like, in her. part two, I don't want to see her. Like, I do I not want to see, see her. her. And like, I and the fact that she was not only back, but, she, you know, they kept, kept showing her, like, pining for Yule and stuff like that. And I was just like, go away. <laughs> we don't, like. She had to give him the medicine. That's the medicine. She caused, <sighs> he's sick because of her. Like, he caused, she caused that. Yeah, she's the poison and the remedy. Oh, but she didn't even so have the, she he didn't even take the remedy so <laughs> uh pretty useless i just so we, we can talk let's talk about yule because i feel like yes. her oh stuff can goes we, hand in hand with yule can yeah, we talk about yule let's talk about yule so <laughs> where do i start uh soul yule in season two wanted to kill buyon slash naksu 
which makes no damn sense. Um, he had these like <laughs> visions of killing her or of her killing him, and then he clearly acted on it. He was planning to kill them both when they went on this trip to the big tree. She was like, I want to see this tree, whatever. The, but that was bizarre. I don't know why they had him like fixated on killing her when he yeah. so obviously loved and pined for her. So whatever. The end of C- of episode six was really good, though, because that's when Zoe dies. Uh, I thought the actress who played Zoe, who had a wonderful year, what drama wasn't she in yes. for 2022, yeah. 2023? No, no Chingu. Yeah. Yes. She was our Chingu this year. <laughs> she, yes. I thought, yeah, I thought she brought her A game when she was, uh, had this final scene as Soli. Yeah. I loved that she described meeting Yule for the first time and why she was so loyal and cared for him so much. She said that he made her world seem clean and bright. And Aww. even her voiceover and her death scene were just very well done. The stakes were getting higher for Yule because he comes to save her and he has this fantastic fight scene. And then, of course, when things are about to end for Yule, Changuk shows up and he says, like, no one here will walk out of here alive. And it's like, OK, some people did walk out alive. Um <laughs> So it's just, I don't know. Maybe I have issues like with the I fight said, scenes. No stakes. No, no stakes. stakes. No stakes. So Yul never does tell Changuk that Mudok was hypnotized by magical bells and was not lucid when she went on a killing spree in the finale episode of part one. Why does Yul keep this secret? I don't know. I was, I was wondering that too. I was like, I wonder why he didn't, he didn't tell him. Get it. We don't got no answers here. It's just yeah, that it's just explain. wrong. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Soli, anything else to add about Soli before I say this last thing about Yule? No, I just didn't okay. appreciate her. Just did not appreciate her. I think her end was better than the rest of the time yeah. that she was with yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Totally. Meaningful end to a character that had no meaning. Yeah. <laughs> what it was a meaningful end to a character that had no meaning all right so speaking of meaningful characters yule we already know he got sidelined at the end of part one he was like nowhere to be found yeah in the finale episode or so guess what they did it again Mm -hmm. sol yule is sidelined for the end game of season two absolutely which makes me think he was just a plot device, just a second male lead. Yeah. Yep. Once they saved Soyul's life, what else was there for him to do? Yeah, I agree. I was upset. It was kind of like with like the whole Choyan situation for me. Like he was sick the entire season. So and then, you know, they created a whole episode about saving his life. And then after that, that was it. He was like, okay, I'm going to go teach at the school now. And like, literally, that was his, like, but that was epilogue. Like that was after right. the Firebird right. and everything. Like, right. But his second male lead stuff didn't make sense either. Like part one, we got this backstory. He loved Naksu, was in love with her when they were younger, blah, 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 blah. He finds out that Mudok is Naksu. He has feelings. She let him down. All right, closure there. Part two, like y'all said, he was sickly and blah, blah, blah. He finds out that Naksu, that Buyan is Naksu. Then all of a sudden he wants to kill her. I'm like, <laughs> what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> like, 
like, what, what is happening? I hated him for the rest of the show. I'm like, and then he tried to be all good. And he like, you should just spend time with her. He says this to Ook. You should just spend time with her. She doesn't have long left. And I'm just like, you were just trying to kill her. What are you doing? A baby. Like, who are you to give advice? Yes. <laughs> you were about to kill her two episodes ago. And that's another thing. I don't know whatever happened to that letter he wrote before he died. I know. Um, oh, yeah. What? <laughs> home girl read the letter, but then I don't know what happened to the letter because he put everything in the letter and what he's about I, to do and everything. Yeah, he put his intentions. What was yeah. that? A suicide letter? Because I think he was planning to kill himself as well as Naksu or Puyon. So what happened to that letter? Who knows? There's a lot of things that we don't know. <laughs> what and just guess what? Guess what? what? It's a problem. It's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> Let me look up the source. Like, what is a th- synonym for problem? Because issue. <laughs> it's an issue. Issue. All right. Uh, I have some notes on Pak Jin. Yeah. So I liked season two Pak Jin versus season one Pak Jin. I had a lot of issues with him overall because he's supposed to be a proxy father for Changuk. Mm-hmm. But he is so demeaning and mean and mm-hmm. uh, sh- uh, shameful of mm-hmm. Changuk because he knows his origin. And the whole alchemy of souls way that he came to be. But he gives a lot of nuggets in season two, like life nuggets, where he does the trick of the fish sauce, the fish sauce rice cake. And he says, life is unpredictable, but you choose your own destiny. No matter how sweet or bitter it may be, you must taste it yourself and swallow it. Which I don't know if that goes hand in hand with if you choose your own destiny. It's almost like. You just have to eat what you chose, no matter if it's good or bad. Mm, maybe. Perhaps. But I don't know. It was weird. So he gives that nugget. Um, then he does the, the who would you save scenario, the drowning scenario. He insists that you can't abandon the other person that you also care about. I think that the question is a trick question. Um, it forces the person to answer to choose one only one person to save. And to work within absolutes. Uh, but it's annoying. When Pak Jin says to the kids and he says to other people, he's just like, yeah, you're wrong. You should try and save both people. And doesn't offer any method or solution or strategy on how to save both drowning people in this scenario. He's just like, you're wrong. You can't choose one person. You should sit, be, try and save both. And it's <laughs> like, Pak Jin. <laughs> what um this was a huge they could have spun this web in episode six jungkook is investigating the whole firebird situation in jinya one and he i think he upsets buyan by not visiting the family home and stuff and he's mm-hmm. trying to mis- reconcile with the mother and master lee reminds him reminds jungkook that he has the energy of the king star and staging a coup would mean he could become king. Here's Masterly putting things in perspective, dumbing it down for us, the audience, because it's so convoluted. You need to remind us every few episodes, like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so uh, 
There is horrible placement here of a flashback sequence. It's a time we've never seen before. It's just after Jungkook has been resurrected and Pak Jin has him locked away so he can't inflict any damage on those who clearly manipulated the situation and killed Mudok. That was a powerful scene. Powerful flashback scene. Why is it in the middle of this conversation? I don't know. Terrible placement. (laughs) Terrible placement. So... He, uh, Pak Jin opens this chest and says, like, here's the seal and a letter from your real father, the king, that he left you explaining your origin. Why was this box of, you know, this truth box here from the king, previous king, why was it not brought up in season one? I thought that was a problem. And Pak Jin says <laughs> that he was born through the alchemy of souls by rights Jungkook shouldn't exist. The whole sordid story. And Pak Jin says that if he tries to use the Ice Stone to bring chaos back into their world, that he will do everything in his power to stop him. And I was like, hold the phone. What makes you think there already is not chaos in this world? I was like, how Pak Jin had no like perspective on the situation to me. How can he say that when Jangook has just lost the love of his life? Everything has turned to shit. And how can Pak Jin say this knowing that what just transpired was chaos and evil and manipulation? And he's just so blinded by fear that he can't see that Jungle could be the change that Deho needs and that his destiny just can't be tamped down, which mm. is what he was trying to do throughout all of part one. Uh and it's his fault that Jungkook is where he is at with the royal family in part two. Just yeah. this dog trying to catch soul shifters for the royal family. Yeah. Not trying to solve the situation of why are the soul shifters even out here and running around in Deho? It's because of Jinmu and his cult. So it's not he's not providing a solution to the actual issue mm-hmm. at all. So I had mm-hmm. such an issue with Pak Jin and the fact that he had no mercy for Jungkook mm-hmm. and this flashback sequence just showed that he had very little compassion for him and that he blames him for existing, blames his existence for the murder of so many who knew the birth secret and who tried to, you know, keep that secret of the King star being him and whatever. Yeah. So I was like, we didn't sit with this long enough at all. Yeah. No, I feel like they didn't. They didn't know what to do with him for part two. For me, was mm. he was like part retiree, like mm. person cooking for everybody. Don't really know how to cook. Um, <laughs> trying to still get with me serving him, but also he was supposed to be retired. But he would anytime an important thing would happen with Songram, he would still be there. So I was confused if Dongu was still yeah. the leader. Um, so yeah. I couldn't really understand that either. And then, you know, he died, but he didn't die. There is that too. <laughs> but yeah. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> uh Pak Jin though, uh, he has this interaction with the queen that she's like, Why can't we perform the alchemy of souls? Why is it forbidden? And He says this great line, if someone powerful has everything they want and is mortal, 
what will become of this world. Rain is necessary, but it should not last forever. The sun is also mm-hmm. necessary, but it should set as well. And no yeah. one should stay powerful and live forever. And I'm like, that's a wonderful yeah. freaking monologue here that we've not really explored this Heard. either. <laughs> um, the fact that he is so righteous is uh, definitely showcased in the show. He does think he seems... I think he seems a little self-important at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's very much a beacon of righteousness, especially towards the latter half of season two, where he's... Why is he talking with the queen when he's not the leader of Songrim anymore? Like, that's a... Like you said, Ori, like... Not giving Dangu anything to do, but... Right. Here we are. Um <laughs> <laughs> they, he also educates the audience on Jungkook's hero's journey because he says, depending on who Ook's target is and which path he takes, he could dry out the world just as Jinmu wishes, or he could stop him. Deciding whom to target and which path to take will always be painful and a burden. It may be too much for a human to handle. Guess what? It was just enough for Jungkook to hang- handle. He didn't dry out the world. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. happily ever after. Who knew that Jungle yeah. counted in him to do the right thing? Right. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh. Anything you guys want to add? This is the last thing I'll say about uh, Puck Jin. About if Puck you guys Jin? don't have anything. No. I, I agree with what um, Oriel said, though. Like I feel like in part two, I was just like, okay, what, do you, what are you doing? Yeah. And, like, and it was just kind of like, you're cooking. You're kind of just roaming around. Yeah. Dangu, I feel like, wasn't really empowered as a leader, really, because I felt like Park Jin was still very much present and around. Like, I, I, I don't feel like Dangu was fully, I don't know, it seemed like he really wasn't able to perform his role fully. Like, I didn't see mm-hmm. him as a leader of Songrim because I felt like, you know, if something really bad is happening, we're going to call Park Jin to, like, come help us. So, um, but yeah. But I will say, like, I I like how you touched on, like, I guess this whole lack of compassion and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. with Jungkook, because I feel like the first time I felt like he actually loved Jungkook was, like, when he died, quote unquote, <laughs> at the end of part one. That's the first time I saw, like, oh, he really does care about him because he was just so callous with him, um, you know, all the time before that. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. I about thought that. it was tough love. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's definitely part of it for sure. Um Mm-hmm. I also felt like okay, like he's he's kind of like cold, but like I, the fr- that was the first time I felt like okay, like he sees like Jungkook as kind of like his son in a way, like because I mm-hmm. before I didn't feel that from him. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, we got some foreshadowing that's not really foreshadowing because he just gives away exactly what happens. So Pak Jin talking to maid servant Kim, he gives her the ultimatum again: who would you save? She uh, ups the ante yeah. and says, "Uh." If I was trapped inside a very dangerous room and you had to seal the door, <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> and he goes, if I didn't seal the door, would the entire world be in danger? And she was like, yeah, but, you know, it, it's fine if you decide to seal this door because I know that you care about me a lot. I know how heartbreaking it would be for you. So it's, it doesn't really upset me that much. This is them talking about a make-believe hypothetical scenario. And guess what? Mm, yep. This was this went beyond like a drowning scenario or some other like life saving scenario because they literally gave away 
exactly what happens in the finale episode. The exact shot for shot Mm -hmm. what happens to them. And bad foreshadowing. Bad foreshadowing. Because (laughs) what is that? They gave it away. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I found that Jinmu had a lot in common with Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars. Did you guys make that connection? (laughs) I've never seen Star Wars. What? I know. I'm sorry. I know. I haven't gotten around to it. I know. (laughs) Haven't gotten around to it. I saw the one, um, like the first, the first like new one that came out like a few years ago. But that's the only Star Wars I've seen in its entirety. Yeah. I apologize. Oh, Lord. Okay. I guess I won't continue down that line of thought. But if you oh. think about it, Emperor Palpatine very similar to Jimmy, <laughs> especially because <laughs> he uh, offers all this. He's evil, but he offers like great power in exchange for, you know, this loyalty and joining the dark side and all this crap. Uh, oh, my God. I can't believe you haven't seen Star Wars. So I know. Yeah. It's embarrassing. I know. Uh, I had a lot of issues with Mama Jin, but I won't. I don't think I want to go into them. I'm just tired. Um, but <laughs> Wait, Jinmu. can we stay with Jinmu? Yes. Yes, stay with Jinmu. about Jinmu. Yes. What? Yes. Well, you guys take the lead. Like, talk to me about Jinmu here. Okay. So, peek behind the hurry. And I'm looking at your notes. And I really, really, really want to talk about this. Because Nez did not <laughs> like it. But me and you feel exactly the same. So, okay, in episode 10, part 2 when um jinmu dies quote unquote um and the other guy he's he do the alchemy of souls with the other guy who i still don't know who he is he's the uncle of yul i don't know yeah he's um, uncle yeah so the so he at first when he come in he's just looking like a normal person but when he comes out with the jinmu aura on him his hair is slicked back his eyebrows are darkened <laughs> his whole like i don't know he was just like he did such a good job to like, me and i told naz and she was like, no, Naz told me she hated it. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I loved it. It was, he did such okay. a good job. Yeah, to that me. actor did a great job playing Jinmu. And yes. it, I mean, this, it was uh, the facial expressions and the way he was like flashing his eyes at people uh, did he have a lisp? I can't remember if he kept the lisp, but um, <laughs> he did a fantastic job just kind of embodying that performance from the other actor. And I can't remember his name, but Jinmu. Tell me why I was like, drop the skincare wreck like routine here, because the guy that swapped places with yeah, the Alchemy Souls yeah. to be Jinmu. He emerged and he had like the glow serum on his face. Yes, he had less texture. Skin. All of a sudden the hair was slicked back. He had the guy liner and he had the highlighter like <laughs> on his face. And I was like, he was given it. I need <laughs> like a tutorial here from Jinmu because he looked fa- fabulous. Like I was like, I yeah. want to look like this on a daily basis. So. Yes. I was very impressed by that transformation, even though it was like, job. you know, 11th hour. Of course, they're going to throw in Jinmu gets swap, soul swapped as well. Yes. Uh, whatever. So but that guy was just great. 
Um, I have here Jinmu and the other unanimous assembly people died in an inferno made of their own twisted view of life. I don't know why I wrote that poetic line in my notes, but <laughs> uh, they wanted to use their power to prey on the weak. And in the end, they were preyed upon by mm. Jang Uk, who's basically a superhero at this point. So they got a taste of their own medicine. Um, I don't know if it's poetic justice that Jang Uk's lifeless body was in the process of being burned in a giant fire at the end of part one. And then he kills the, the group of villains, like the cult people in a fire. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That could definitely be a parallel for sure. It could. Um, it could. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a little bit, I was, I thought that was a bit anticlimactic the way that Jimmy oh, died based yeah. on like everything that he had done to people. And I, I, first of all, I felt like there was no justice for everything he did in part one. Like part two, he's just mm-hmm. going about life gallivanting around like nothing <laughs> happened. And then at the end, he just gets to like, you know, he, everyone just burns together and he's just laughing like maniacally. And I'm just like, okay, yeah. like, I don't know. I was just like, all right. Like, I, I I don't know what I would want would have wanted, but I think I would have wanted a little bit more. He, he did so many terrible things to people. Um, yeah. yeah, he really did. He was just an a meanie. Um, I think it diminished the way he was originally dying by Buyon's hand, where she was like, "Here's another." Like they found another ice stone. <laughs> whatever and this one sucks energy versus giving energy whatever so she implanted that one inside him and he was dying very slowly uh it was i thought that was good i mean not great but it was seemed to fit because he had the most beef with her Mm -hmm. and i was like okay yeah give her a chance to exact some justice of her own and they didn't let that sit. Uh, he gets out of it, swaps souls, and then Jungkook has to finish the job. Because, of course, the man has to uh, have his <laughs> moment to shine. The hero. Oh. I I don't know. I <laughs> You guys already know. Like, we've been here a while. Like, you get it. Uh, did you guys have any <laughs> problems? Did you have any thoughts on Dangu and Choyon? I, uh, <laughs> um, they, they were just like background characters. They didn't yeah. have anything to do. Like, I think there we had some really um, like rich characters that they could have kind of given more of a role, and they just didn't give them anything to do. I did absolutely love their ending, though. I mean, I I, I don't know. I wish that like they showed us more about how because I mean, they break up. They don't really like go into a lot of detail about the breakup, but then like when they get back together, it's really it's really quick. Um, but I'm I'm happy. Yeah, I wish they could have fleshed out a little bit more. But I do absolutely love that they ended up together and that we see that they have twin babies. So that was really sweet. Um, just you know that they're yeah. they're happy and they're like you know one big happy family. But right. Yeah, I just wish that yeah. we got more from them because you know Dangu's leader of Songrim, you know, and she's yeah. like a part of the Jin family and she has a lot. Well, she should have a lot of power, but we don't get to see her kind of wield that at all. So I wish we got more of them. <laughs> Uh, did you also like fall out of your chair in episode seven when they were like, "Oh no, she can't put this bead of ener- of Yule's energy in her mouth because she could yes. be pregnant." We've had sex, and there's like a possibility <laughs> that Cho Young could be pregnant, and 
sense. That was like thrown in there just for good measure, I guess. Right. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm still back here trying there. to like purchase a Firebird for my own personal no. <laughs> like, and they're like. <laughs> She can't. Please. She can't do this dangerous like, oh, mission. By the way, I'm yeah. pregnant. <laughs> yeah, by the way, <laughs> she was with twins. Yeah. Oh God, that was funny. Uh, <laughs> I did like Dongle's blonde hair. You did. I, I okay. Was missing it. Really? I did. I like his blonde hair, it. and I missed. I missed Ook's ponytail. Those were the two things that I missed. <sighs> there was with, a scene. like hair and makeup. Um. Corner, hair yes, corner. hair yeah. makeup corner. Let's, yeah, I thought that everyone glowed up in part two. Everyone looked amazing. Like I couldn't stand Ook's hair in part one. I thought it was a hot mess. <gasps> it was, I thought it was like half of a mullet, and I don't was like, what's what a is this hairstyle? I didn't, I didn't understand what the hairstyle was. But in part two, he looked great. Everyone's hair looked good. I loved Dangu's black hair. I felt like the Jin family, like the mom and um Choyeon, like their eyeliner. The, the eyeliner looks i just yeah. every time they're on screen i was like this is immaculate like and their nails too i was like the nails yeah. the acrylics they're always giving <laughs> like i just love the, the the make the eye makeup and the nails like every time and their hair their hairstyles and everything right so good so good yeah i love yeah. the makeup for the Jin family what's funny is they don't i guess this is to show that they don't really she didn't really accept her as a right. daughter or whatever. They never put that makeup on Bouillon yeah. in season two. Oh, that's such a good point. True. Yeah. Do Which, y'all think I mean, that's why they weren't fighting? Because they had the acrylics on? <laughs> <laughs> like, I cannot break a nail. I'm not going to be fighting anybody. I mean, <laughs> the other day, I'll tell you, I have long nails now. And I, this is the first time in my life that I have such long nails for such a long period of time. And the other day, I was like, damn, I really want to go bowling God, where's the nearest bowling alley? And was looking into it, and then I was like, no. "Oh shit, I don't think <laughs> I can go fuck. bowling in these yeah, nails." Yeah, you cannot bowl with nails. It's like the worst. No. So that like was taken off the table. I was yeah. like, "Let me not even try and invite people to this thing that I've, you know, it just died oh. <laughs> because oh, so of sad. my nails." Yeah, like they'll literally uh, break. It sucks. Yeah, and Ooh. I have such brittle nails, so maybe. Th- but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's why. <laughs> we'll read into Can the nail. Can you imagine like a fight scene and then the nail break off or right. something crazy? Like, no. We all know how badly that hurts. Like when you're acrylic, it's like, yes, that hurts. So, Ugh, yeah. yeah. That's probably why, Oreo. <laughs> like my nails are more important. You cracked it. <laughs> yes. Master Lee. Here's what I'll say about Master Lee. <laughs> he is like the junk drawer in the kitchen. He's just a catch-all for the plot. Uh, he <laughs> he felt a lot like a couple of characters in Lord of the Rings, uh, sort of an amalgamation of like Galadriel and Lord Elrond to me. These characters seem to ho- seem to know a whole lot, seem to have a premonitory level of knowledge, but other than encouraging the heroes in their quest, they don't perform much function. But if you've read Lord of the Rings, you know that's not the case. But uh, we don't have a master text to go back to for Alchemy of Souls. We just have what's on the screen. So my comment still stands. <laughs> um, yeah. How'd you feel about Master Lee and him constantly gatekeeping info? <laughs> yeah. 
I, that's another character I feel like they didn't write well either. I don't know. In the in the first part, I was like, okay, Master Lee is going to come and let us know what's happening or something like that. He never did. It would be like a side scene with him with a shadow and he's like, it's always happening or something like that. Um, I don't know. I felt like I wish he would have stepped in a little bit more, mm -hmm. but I yeah. don't know. It's kind of like a catch. I mean, a double score thing because what if he stepped in and it changed the destiny or something or it right. changed whatever he was thinking was going to happen maybe that's why he didn't intervene I don't know I don't know uh, <laughs> the turtle let's talk about yeah. the turtle in season 2 which I had a, a thing with the turtle I just didn't understand why they kept introducing this black turtle in season two and why was it this thing with the crown prince and whatever and someone on tiktok was like the black turtle has to do with the chinese constellations and i was like what so i looked it up because the black tortoise evidently is one of the four symbols of the chinese constellations and it represents winter and the north and if you've watched Xianxia dramas you might recognize some of these like four uh, generals or uh, um, characters that represent the, these four constellations. Yep. And one of them will be a black tortoise or the name will be tortoise or whatever, general black tortoise, whatever the hell it is. So I was like, oh, that's very appropriation. <laughs> like if you think about it, <laughs> but... The firebird on that note is also one of the four symbols of the Chinese constellations and it represents summer and fire. So those mm. two animals are at odds with each other mm. in this mythology. So uh, <laughs> uh, I still didn't like the turtle. I still didn't like the firebird and I appreciate the origins of where it came from and where they got these characters from these creatures yeah. but yeah. i didn't like him crown it prince it was what <laughs> i literally i literally wrote in my notes what is <laughs> i literally wrote the nonsense with the turtle <laughs> like what is this storyline is there more to this the crown prince had nothing to do and that's why they gave him the turtle because i'm just yes. like and then yeah. he was just like oh the turtle is like a guide and he he guides people to where they need to go but i'm just like yeah. you know we, i think we could have done without this right i, I think so yeah it's I, not like we had master lee here who was already semi-guiding people throughout the show we had yeah. to have a black turtle that came out right. of nowhere and like literally swam off and we never heard from it again it was so clearly <laughs> a plot device turtle. um so let's talk about the crown prince because he's tied to the turtle in season two uh, in episode nine he says he got rid of my turtle <laughs> as far as an explanation for why he's now aligning himself with Chungook and supporting <laughs> Chungook. so let me get this Straight. Uh, After all of the bullshit and political maneuvering and manipulation tactics and countless reasons to get rid of Jinmu, the prince says he's aiding Danguk in, in annihilating Jinmu and his secret organization because he got rid of his turtle. And I was like, I mean, okay, like... If you say so. Um, 
I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's odd uh, because he was, the crown prince was inquisitive and Mm -hmm. curious and he was Mm -hmm. investigating the queen and her poisoning of the concubines in the harem. So he was getting down. I mean, it doesn't matter. That didn't matter in the grand scheme of things at all. So he was definitely wasting time or the Hong sisters were wasting our time, but all for what? Just to sit on all of this info about Jinmu and his evilness. It just, it took the turtle for him to really like, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Really? Yeah. It wasn't all yeah. of the murder and of his own subjects and right. the soul swapping that was happening and yeah. priorities. It priorities. Interesting. I feel like with him, like I I do like respect him because one, he's the only person in the royal family that like uses his brain and you know, just like has a conscience and is like actually a nice person, um, and will do the mm-hmm. right thing. Cause I was a little unsure after part one. He's a little bit more of like a neutral character. Um, mm-hmm. teetering towards like could be easily corrupted because he was kind of just like all over the place and part two yeah. I was like okay he's finally picked a side like he has a conscience he's different from his family his family is absolutely terrible but at least he's different um, so I did like that about him I just mm-hmm. I was very puzzled by this whole turtle thing and that being his storyline him being a, a fake eunuch and him having this turtle like I was just like I don't <laughs> get it Ori did you care about the turtle? I didn't care about the turtle, but it did remind me of a Chinese drama called Immortal Samsara. Have you seen yes. that? Yes. I have heard of this one. Even, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's a big add one. Add to your watch list, please. I would. Yes. Girl, don't worry. My watch list okay. is full of sea dramas. <laughs> they don't use the turtle in the same way, of course, because it's, it's, they use it in a different way, but it reminded me of that. But yeah. Got you. I don't care about the. Yeah. I mean,. For a lot of the things in AOS, you can <laughs> hearken back to a sea drama yes, that did it or did it better. Yes, you can. Yeah. Yep. Uh, last thing I'll say, and this is the end of my notes, guys. Wow, we've done it. <laughs> Almost three hours. Three hours here, and I'm at the end of my notes. So the Ice Stone and the Turtle were both MacGuffins. Do you know what a MacGuffin is? Mm-mm. Okay. So MacGuffin is a term that was coined by Alfred Hitchcock, and it stands for a plot element or device that drives the action or logic of the plot. And it's extremely important for the characters, but is ignored once it serves its purpose. Mm. Yeah, that sounds accurate. Which is definitely what the Ice Stone and the Turtle were. Yeah, You know, they're chasing after this thing or, you know, this thing is like leading them in the direction and then they get there. Or they get there and it doesn't matter. Like the ice stone and the removal of the ice stone ends up not mattering at the end of the day. Yeah. Exactly. Because Wolf still has the ice stone in him, right? Yeah. He's living perfectly fine with the ice stone. Yeah. Keeping him going. So um, this was as much a a little lesson on some of these writing terms and... (laughs) As much as it was a giant critique of Alchemy of Souls writing. Um, was there anything you guys wanted to add about Alchemy of Souls that we didn't cover or characters or anything? 
I wanted to say as far as I'm going back to like, I guess, the community aspect of this Mm -hmm. last year. I love the times when this aired because I feel like we were kind of split as a K-drama community on shows. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I'm sure there was other shows last year, but I specifically remember Alchemy, whether good or bad. I knew that it was a lot of people watching the show at the same time as I am. And there was it's, it's like a different type of atmosphere when yeah. like everybody is watching the same show so mm-hmm. i love that camaraderie about it um because it doesn't happen as often anymore i feel like k-drama community is very split on shows sometimes so it was nice we were all watching alchemy <laughs> it was nice <laughs> until i started posting about alchemy yes. souls, and then i was like yeah. wow this sucks so yeah negatives no i totally That's agree true. it's fun it's always fun like when you get those like handful of shows a year that like takes a k-drama community by storm and like everyone's watching it and you see all these like edits and like yeah. commentary and it's just like we're all in this together we're all watching the show every week it's so fun and exciting yeah um but yeah but like i just wanted to say that like i totally like 100 percent respect this show and like i it's for me, it's like it's I'm just way too much of a critical thinker. Like, I don't think this is like the worst show that's ever been made. Like, I just I'm just way too much of a critical thinker and for a show that is like so complex in terms of like the lore and like the world that they build. Like, I I just need things to make sense. And when it doesn't, like I nitpick a lot. But like, I don't think this is like the worst show ever. I just it was just a lot for my little brain to, to take in. But yeah, um, yeah. But I told you, like, if you love this show, like there's no like right like, nothing I, I that we have said right yeah if you love the show nothing that we have said is going to deter you from loving the show and that's what's yeah. nice about hearing from other perspectives and other perspectives. people who yeah. watch the same show that you did is that you can like glean different things or appreciate different exactly. things or just come into it knowing hey maybe this isn't the strongest writing but i just love jungkook I just yeah. love seeing this character. I just love his whatever. And it works for me. Exactly. And that's what's we, nice. You don't have yeah. to change your opinion after hearing what we talked mm-hmm. about. No exactly. one's asking you to. Um, and again, we can all just relax after this. Yeah. Um, go into the next few K-drama seasons with an open heart, open mind. If people disagree yeah. with you... You don't have to take it to heart. You can just be like, oh, wow, I didn't think of that. And like leave it at that and not decide to berate someone for liking someone or or disliking something that you that you do or don't. So exactly i think that's what we can glean from this. It's supposed to be fun. We love them and they're fun. So yeah. You know, let's not make this like, you know, having angry debates on TikTok and stuff like that. Like, I'm so sorry that you have to deal with people. Yeah. On the, the K-drama community on TikTok is a bit is a bit interesting. Toxic. Like people really get take things to heart and get really offended and nasty. So I'm sorry you have to deal with people being weird online. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> but you don't have to apologize because it's not your fault. And what's nice is we kind of have the OST left on the show that we can appreciate and we can all just kind of rally around the music which was really good and the music will definitely be playing us off here at the end of very long episodes so i want (laughs) to thank you guys for spending three hours with me talking about alchemy of souls i bet you we could have gone longer talking about alchemy of souls but we do gotta get out of here and uh, oh wait 
what the last thing I want to talk about. Oh my God, I forgot. Sequels. What would you <laughs> think about a sequel? Yes, no, maybe so. Yeah, I no. think absolutely not. There doesn't no. need to be one. But okay. if yeah, I think they set up a lot of things that there could be some sort of spin-off, but there does not there does not need to be a part three. Absolutely not. I agree. I didn't think there should have been a part two. People were getting really up in arms thinking about possibly another season. Mm-hmm. What are some setups for some sequels? Should this happen in the Alchemy of Souls universe? They could talk about, uh, they could do a, a season on the new girl Yule will be training, mm-hmm. who yeah. Bouillon mm-hmm. says that she has the potential to be greater than Jungkook. Yeah, that's what I was uh, thinking about. Yeah, they could do a season on the first Great Chaos with Jin Sol Ran and her lover, Master Sok Young. Oh, prequel. Oh, like a prequel. A prequel. Yeah. They could do a sequel on the kids, because now we have twins mm-hmm. from uh, Dangu and Choyon, and then we will eventually, they hinted at Jungkook and Choyong slash Noxu want a daughter, so they could yeah. do it on the kids. Um, next generation. The next generation of Alchemy of Souls. Who knows? But yes. I think that they do have a leg to stand on for sequels. I hope they don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and if they do, like, wait, like, you know, in five years. Like, don't do it anytime soon. And, like, it'll right. be a whole new concept. Like, don't involve, like, anyone from this iteration. And just, like, mm. let it be a whole new thing. Right. Right. Okay. So now I have come to the end of my notes and I want to thank you guys again for coming on, for making time, for watching the show and being willing to talk about it. And we will definitely pick this up on your podcast, Soul Sisters Pod. Definitely check out my, like, it's a wonderful podcast. I can't wait to be on your podcast again. You guys do a lot of categories and you make me think about the the shows in different ways, which I love. So I can't wait to talk about Alchemy Souls in a different manner. And that'll be coming out in a few months or weeks. So pay attention to that. Pay attention to the Soul Sisters podcast feed. And thanks again for coming on. And that's been our show. I'm Jess. And this has been the Deva K Rambles podcast. I was standing strong each and